Sunday, I, I felt like I just didn't, I just didn't finish what I wanted to say. And I was like, what do I do now? Because <laughs> we were planning on going to Washington, and I was going to go see my surgeon that did the surgery on my leg, and, and then, oh, it was just weird. It was like, there was just like so many things that happened to kind of be like, hey, maybe just don't go there. And I finally was like, you know, I'm going to just not go because I don't want God to have to keep telling me not to go and me not listening and weird things keep happening so that I, until I finally just get it, you know? So we decided to stay anyway. And then we were like, hey, let's just do another service at Destiny because why not? Because you guys are awesome. Because this is like home. Yeah. I, I say it whenever I get up here because it's just who I am. Once a destinoid, always a destinoid. I was actually thinking, um, I, was ch- I was chatting with one of my kids. I forget, I have so many of them, I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, I was like, I was thinking about some of my first uh, times at Destiny and I was like, I, I feel like it must have been 20 years ago, like around the time Halal was born give or take a little bit, our electric guitar player. Uh, and, and I think Sean would have been around as the youth pastor then because I feel like I was in his office doing some music recording on some sort of ancient recording machine that he had because I was thinking maybe my life was going to go a whole different direction than it did 20 years ago. And, uh, and so I... I I was working at the sawmill out in Hill City, and I'd quit my job, and I was going to try and do some ministry things, and it all just fell apart, you know? It was one of those stories that just, it was kind of like I said, coming up to this point of like, it just didn't work, and it just didn't work, and and I was just like, I wanted it so bad that I was just trying to make it happen, and it just wasn't happening, and I was like, man, I was just a little hard-headed about submitting to the process and the journey of character transformation that I desperately needed but didn't really want to acknowledge that I needed. So, man, what a journey. I've been around Destiny for 20 years. What a joy. I mean, really, like Lori and I were talking about it, we were like, man, this feels like home. It really does. And I was chatting with Selah. Um, I actually remember this because it was just yesterday, I think. <laughs> She's, we were practicing a little bit with her violin, and, and, and we were practicing through the songs, and she's like, are you sure you can do this many songs at church? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they told me, um, you know, just, I guess I'm, I mean, I don't, I feel weird about saying it like this, but I'm like, I'm just kind of in charge of what we're doing, so, you know, like, they're just... Go for it. And so we, we practice and we go through the whole thing. And then I'm like, yeah, so we're going to be at Destiny tomorrow at, you know, about nine. And she's like, oh, we're going to Destiny. No wonder you can do all these songs. I was like, yes. I mean, really, like, that, that's really special. Like, I hope you grasp that because um, I, I think... When I was in the room 20 years ago recording something that is long lost now, but, like, I wasn't attending Destiny. I was just Sean's friend, and so he was helping me out. But what drew us into Destiny was free 
in open worship. It's like, get spiritually hungry people into this atmosphere of free and open worship. And, and you know, yes, we need to be rooted in the biblical teaching and all those things. But, I mean, honestly, I don't want to say that in a bad way, but you can kind of find that in a lot of places. There's some wild places out there that teach weird stuff. And, you know, a little weird stuff, it's okay, because there's some weird stuff in the Bible, too, but there are really not that many places that really value worship. And I don't know why. It's just a mystery to me in my mind and heart. But that was what drew us to destiny. And so kind of when we keep coming back and we keep going over these kinds of themes, it's like, man, that has to be... I don't know if it has to be the top priority, but at the top of priorities, like, that's why a lot of people ever came to Destiny. It doesn't have to end. It might change flavors a little from season to season, and that's just okay. But, man, the spiritually hungry people connect with God in the atmosphere of worship. That's so important. We need the biblical teaching. We need these other things. But there's... When I, I, I'm just throwing this out for free now. Like I'm talking about resilient resistors. Resist anything that tries to steal that. Seriously. Okay. So uh, last time I was here, I chatted with you all about... Um, a little bit about pruning. And... Um, Pruning is a great subject. I mean, I've just, I've, I've dove, I've dove, 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 in, dove dived, divin. <clears throat> I jumped in head first on the subject quite a few years ago because it was such a reality for my life of how important it was uh, to not just like understand it intellectually, but like actually appreciate where God is going with it in my life. And so last time we were here, um, maybe the focus was about like the father and how he's the vine dresser, right? He's the one who does the pruning. And if you look in Greek words, um, pruning and cleansing are actually kind of interchangeable in that context. So... It's not like he's coming out with a machete and just like hacking randomly. There's intentionalness about what the father is doing as the vine dresser of shaping and forming and thinking about like the future and what needs to happen for the right kind of fruit to come forth. That's the whole purpose of it. And so our role is to abide in Jesus, who is the vine. So we stay connected to the vine, our source. We abide in him. We abide in his words. We abide in his love. And, and when we stay connected to the source of everything we need for life, when the Father comes and starts snipping and clipping and trimming and shaping because he sees the big picture of our life and what should be there and what shouldn't, we trust him because we're connected to Jesus and we understand the bigger picture and it's okay even if we don't see what's ahead we trust him with it we stand in that so that was kind of the give or take the 
summary, but what I didn't really get to talk about a lot was the fruit. And, and I wanted to kind of just get back to that. Um, abide, hide, ride. I'm going to revisit that just real quick, too. So that was kind of a phrase that the Lord spoke to my heart in March 2020, right before pandemic shutdowns went wild. And, and it's connected to this message because in the six months or so before Abide, Hide, Ride hit my heart, I was just reading John 15 like every day, like just over and over and over and over and over and over and over. So abiding was already just like, I was already in that mental space and that life space of like, okay, I'm trying to abide. And so hiding to me again is like, like if you look at Psalm 27, um, when trouble comes, he'll like hide you in his tent, right? Well, it's funny to me as I've thought about that more, like tents aren't really that secure. <laughs> I mean, you get to like, I'm going to hide you in my rock-solid fortress. And he's like, no, I'm going to put you in my tent. And it's so interesting because if you read Psalm 27, like it's just connected to the whole concept of the tabernacle of David where there's the Ark of the Covenant worship and praise and worship going around in this place. He's like, I'm going to conceal you and hide you in this place and you'll be safe there. So hope you can draw that connection for yourself. Uh, also, there's a, a scripture in the Psalms uh, about being hidden and surrounded with songs of deliverance, right? And like, again, we've got like this hiding space of sort of safety, and it's connected to music and worship and singing. Like, this is... This is God's idea. And um, one of the things when Serenity, our daughter, came on, she's not here today. She's got special needs, had a lot of surgeries. If you haven't met her, she's the sweetest little person on the entire planet in my world. But when, when she came along and, and we knew... We were up for some hard things, and we, it was actually harder than we thought in some ways. It, it was a really challenging season to go through her surgeries. She got an infection in her head, she had skull surgery. I mean, Lori was in the hospital in Denver for a month, and it was just like this crazy, like, not supposed to happen this way kind of thing. But, but I made a decision before she was born when everybody told me maybe you shouldn't have her. And I'm like, that's not an option. We're, we're, we're saying yes to every child. It's just our thing. And, and I made a decision. I don't care how hard this gets. I will not stop singing. I will not stop singing. Because I had a hard season before that caused me to make the wrong choice to stop singing. I put my guitar in singing not, not because I'm a rock star, but because like my heart has to be connected to God through singing. Like I can't this is me personally. There's some people who are just like amazingly talented and gifted. They can just get out and belt out songs and perform all day long. That is not me. I don't do it. I just don't have that in me. But my so when I sing like I don't sing just because I think I'm good at it. I sing because my heart is connected to Jesus because of it. 
And my heart has to stay in the right, healthy place of connection when I sing. It just has to, like, I have to do this right. I mean, it's a... It's just something God put in me. It's just a driving force in my life. I have to do this. So when I think we had a picture of it last time we were here. You know, when I break my leg and I can't get out of bed to go lead worship, somebody bring me a guitar. I'm going to lead worship laying down in bed in pain. I'm just like, I'm still going to sing to you, Jesus, because I love you and you're worthy and I'm going to praise you no matter what. Victory. That's where you find it. Heart choices like that. Hard heart choices. All right, so I also attribute um, hiding in some degree to like consecration. Like often when I look back in these seasons, in, in March 2020 led us into this lockdown season of like, hey, we're home for months now what do we do so we fast and we pray and we seek the Lord and we take communion frequently I don't know if it was every day because I was doing more fasting at that point you know in April leading up to Passover and some of that kind of stuff in that season but it's like let's get serious about hiding ourselves in that place of prayer and worship and praise and and really hear God's heart for what in the world is going to happen in the next season. And, and I really feel like, in a, in a certain sense, you guys are in that space now. Like, this is the time to just be like, what do you want, God? What is your heart? What are we going to do when the ball comes back to us? How are we going to handle this? Are we going to go back to the same old things? We're going to move forward into new things. Are we going to take this seriously and go places we've never been before? Or are we just going to be content to kind of just do stuff just like everybody else who's content to just sort of do the same old thing? Because it works, sort of. Works well enough. And we just settle there. Okay. All right. Ride. That's the go. And it's built into John 15, which I'm going to read here in the ESV translation in just a second. John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Again, some of this clean and prune uh, in Greek can be translated the same. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. So, excuse me, the big question, where's the fruit? Uh, I mentioned last time that I kind of attribute foliage to, like, he's the vine, we're the branches, the branches have leaves, Foliage. It's kind of the stuff we do. Like, some of it's good. Some of it's important. It's not bad to have structure. It's not bad to have a plan. These, these things aren't just inherently evil, right? I'm just horrible at them. You know, personally, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I just, like, wing it all the time. And, and I, I actually, again, I came with a plan. I actually have a plan today. I, don't know, I, I didn't follow it last time, and I probably won't totally follow it this time. But I have one. It's there, just so you have proof. They're not bad. But that's not the end goal. The end goal isn't just to have something to do. The end goal is that there's fruit from our life. So ask yourself... Where's the fruit in, in my life? Do I see fruit in my life? And if you don't see much fruit, it's time to ask the Lord what to prune. Because this is about bearing fruit. It's not just about being noticed. Look at all my foliage. It's not just about having a big name, fame, and money. Although we fall into that in in our Christian, probably even mostly in charismatic type circles. Like, let's be the next big name speaker, the next big worship leader, the next dude who wrote a book, the next lady who's got the amazing prophetic ministry, the next, let's just be the next whatever. And we... Exalt that above actually bearing fruit in our life. Let's have the big church with lots of chairs and tithers to sit in them. Did I say that? 
I must not be a pastor, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> bring on the chairs. <laughs> it's just not about that, though. I mean, what is fruit? What is it? I mean, if we're looking for this, what, what are we looking for? Do we even know? God, what, are you, what, what is the fruit you're looking for to come from my life? Now, I would say, there's not a specific reference here, but I would say fruit is of the Spirit. I think you can draw that biblical connection. But fruit actually starts in God. And it matures and ends in God's glory. But he chooses to cause it to grow from our lives. That's amazing. It's amazing that he would share fruit with us. Because he doesn't have to. But he chooses to. But we have to be willing to go through this process of pruning, right? It's unto bearing more fruit. And so that's why if you grow into a place of maturity, you're like, bring it on, Lord. What are you going to prune in my life in this season? And it's a seasonal thing. Again, we're actually kind of in a pruning kind of season right now. And I'm just like, I have absolutely no idea what's coming next, which is hard. But I know there's going to be more fruit coming. I look back at what we've done and where we've gone and the trials we've faced and the things we've overcome, and I'm like, wow. You know, you look at these scriptures and you're like, I'll answer every prayer you pray if you just get this alignment right. And he doesn't even put conditions on it. He accepts Abide in me. Abide in me. Stay connected to me. Listen to my words. Fill your mind and your spirit with them. Chew on it day and night. When this season hit in 2020 and Everybody was going crazy and the world was going nuts and everybody was lying about everything to each other. It's still kind of going on. I was like, God, what do we do about this? Like, I mean, I've heard people talk about end times and great deception and I was like, I always kind of was like, how is that ever really going to happen? Like, how are people really at like this mass scales? How are we going to be deceived? Like, I just never saw it growing up in church. And it's just kind of, you know, I mean, I was a little here, a little there. Like, somebody got tricked. Somebody was in this little weird cult thing. Like, on this mass scale, like, how do you have mass deception and mass falling aways and mass harvest coming in? Like, I mean, people prophetically speak of these things all the time. And I'm just like, how does that work? Like, I just don't, like, how, and how do I stay connected to the truth? Because it really isn't just truth that sets you free. Did you know that? I mean, the truth does set you free. But it's not just the truth. We cut ourselves short when we just say, hey, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8. 
I wrote down the verses, verse 30, 1, 30, 31, 32. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So let's come, let's come back to what this is about. This whole scripture passage about pruning and the vine and abiding. It's about being a disciple. I've pondered this because as we've traveled the country now for a couple of years, I just feel compelled everywhere I go. I'm like, bring it back to discipleship. That's what it was about in the Gospels. That's what Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, He made it about discipleship for a reason. He's not just looking for Christian churches, like a religious place, a building that we call church. He's looking for disciples. Now, if you look in the context of John chapter 8, it says he's referencing the Jews who believed. These people had faith, right? They were believers. But he says, Jesus says to the believers, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. So if we're struggling to find freedom, which is really kind of where fruit starts, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If we're struggling to find freedom, we have to come back to abiding in the Word. We have to come back to being disciples. When you're a disciple, you don't just show up on Sunday, sing a few good songs, put a little money in the offering, sit down and listen to a great pep talk, and walk away and do life totally different. It doesn't work that way. It never has, and it never will. And I love you enough to tell you that. You're my friends. You're my peeps. My destinoids. Like, we've got to get back get serious about being disciples of Jesus. Now, not everybody has to be an apostle. I just want to make this clear. Like, Jesus had 12 apostles. I believe in apostolic ministry. Apostolic things come out of discipleship. You can't have apostolic things without starting in real discipleship with Jesus. But not everybody has to be an apostle. It's a calling that some have. But everybody has to be a disciple. You have to do it. You can't really have fruit without it. Did you see what the scripture says? I'll find it here in a second. It says, one, apart from me, you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You have to bear fruit to be disciples. And it's okay, I just want to say this, it's okay that not every moment of every day are we like winning thousands of people to Jesus. 
it would be amazing if that was a reality for us, right? It would, I mean, to be somebody like Reinhard Bonnke, like, what million, oh, I went to Nigeria and three million people gave their heart to Jesus. You just like, oh, I'll never get there, God. Well, don't say that. <laughs> it's the wrong, you've got your eyes on the wrong thing first. Because it's not a competition with Reinhard Bonnke. It's not a competition with Paul. It's not a competition with Brent. It's not a competition with Sean. It's not a competition with your neighbor. You, be a disciple. You, abide in his word. You, figure out what the truth is for your life. You go walk that out in freedom. Freedom from comparison. Your fruit's bigger than my fruit, so I'm not special. Well, what if that person, even though they look like they have more fruit than you, is only doing half of what they should? How do you even know? You can't judge things like that. You get your life on track. You hear God's word for your heart. You hear God's word for your life. You hear God's word for your life group, for your whatever you call them. You had like five names, I can't remember. You hear God's word for this church. You fight for it. Don't worry if your neighbor is or not. Pray for them if they're not. You lay hold of the promises. You say, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. You say, I will lay hold of that for which I've been laid hold of. This is the goal of my life. Why did you make me God? Because I will never, ever settle for less than what you made me for. And I will waste my life trying to figure that out. Even if I look like a fool to everybody else. And I actually do. <laughs> Pretty frequently. I mean, we're going through it. Let me just say it again. Like, it's December... Everybody's like, where are you going next? And I'm like, staying at my mom's house because I sold mine and and he, and he hasn't told me what to do next. So I'm just waiting and, uh, uh, well, I'm praying. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm is this, is this not normal? Is it not? Is it not normal to hide yourself in Him? Is it not normal to rest for a season? Is it not normal to? Is it not normal to just not do anything if God doesn't say to do something? Or do we just? spend our lives like chasing foliage because we just want to do something we just have to say something we just have to be active I'm not going to fall off it I saw my wife look at me <laughs> we just want to keep the show going so we just keep performing and putting on a show
again, let me just say, there's grace in this. That, like, it's not all bad. It's not all evil. But we, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm challenging you, what this really comes down to is like, get hungry for a spiritual encounter with God. Get hungry for His Word to resonate in you so much that nothing can hold on to you that's not of Him. Let that desire be planted in you and grow into a fruitful vine. Because God says everyone has to go. If you're a disciple, you go and bear fruit. You have to. If you don't, you're not a disciple. This is how you prove that you're a disciple. Sorry, I'm pointing my finger. Okay? But this is, I mean, this is, this is serious. He may send you to your neighbor. He may send you to the nations. And it doesn't really matter. But you can't be a disciple and bear fruit if you don't go. You can't just show up for church on Sunday morning and call yourself a Christian and check off the box. I did my deed. I mean, please, please. I'm not saying this just because somehow I'm part of the Christmas Eve service. Please invite people to come. People will come to church on Christmas that don't normally come. Please invite them. Bring unsaved people to church. Right? But that's not what this was ever supposed to be about. Go find them. Go preach to them. Go make disciples of them. Your neighbor, the nations, doesn't matter. But he's called you to go. And I wouldn't stand here and say that if I wasn't doing it. You don't have to make it look just like I do. You probably have a different calling than I do. All of that's okay. As long as you stop being satisfied with foliage and go after the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So, is there love here? Is there love in this space? That's one of the ways we figure this out. Are we doing this right? Is there love in this room? Do you love enough to take risks, to make yourself look foolish? I mean, obviously I don't think we're at a point where a lot of us are literally going to lay down our lives, but maybe someday. Are we willing to go? and put our life on the line so other people will hear about real freedom? Or are we content to just sort of like intellectually think, I believe in freedom, so it's good enough. I I know it's true God can set people free. I, I know it's true He can heal people. I know it's true He can speak. 
are we going to actually go after that? Be the one who brings healing and be the one who brings his word that shakes a person's life, that shakes a nation. Okay, all right, all right, I'll back down just a little. Being a disciple is about going. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Go be the church that the gates of hell cannot stand against. This is ecclesia. Contrast this with current culture of Christianity, which is about staying and having all the activities of the church take place in a building. Disciples are always called to go. There are no exceptions, even in what we call the Great Commission. It's about disciples making disciples. You may go to your neighbor, or you may go to the nations, but you have to go to be a disciple, because that's what Jesus did. So let's get back to Jesus. What did he do? Why did he do it? Let that sink in. Let it be your food. Just like Jesus saw, he did what he saw the Father doing. We do what we see Jesus do. Just like Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, to accomplish what he sent me to do. We do what Jesus did. We look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, my food is to do what you made a way to, for me to do with my life. To not settle. To not settle to just stand on the sidelines and watch somebody else do it. Get in the game. Be a resilient resistor. Because your opportunity is coming. This is a real deal. And the really good news about this is that when fruit's coming forth, a move of the Spirit is too. I mean, you can access some of this in your life personally alone, but wow. What if you all did it together? I mean, I travel, as I travel around, I'm like, man, if I could just, I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples. If I could just get one person in every state to just get radical about this, the whole world would be turned upside down. One in every state. 50, right? I mean, maybe you got some provinces. We thought, maybe we should go to some provinces too. A lot of them are like islands and they're beautiful. And After being in Hawaii, I really like islands again. But I'll go to Alaska too. Even if, I, if it's cold, I'll find them. I'll do it. If you really want me to go, I'll, my answer is yes. Like, you just have to provide for it because I don't have... 
what it takes to win it. Okay. All right, we got that worked out. <clears throat> I won't just go to islands. I'll go anywhere. Um, oh, really, guys? Like, what, what would it look like for a church to not just have a fire conference, but to just be on fire? What would that look like? Really, what would it look like? Could you just dream with me for a second? Fire everywhere. It's unstoppable. Have you ever tried? Have you, have you watched firefighters try to put out like cities on fire? It doesn't work. I mean, they can kind of slow it down a little bit, and it's like damage control, right? When there's fire like that, it spreads. Fire. Just go for it. Just say yes. I mean, really, what it is, is say yes and take one step of obedience after another. One after another, after another, after another. And when it doesn't make sense, and when you make a mistake, and when you don't know where you're going or what you're doing, don't quit. Be a resilient resistor. Just get back up and do it again. Just try again. There's so much grace in God's heart for people who just don't quit, who just don't give up, who just don't turn their back on him. And even if you do, like Peter did, it doesn't mean he won't restore you. I've experienced this. So just say yes. All right, you guys want to come up? We'll sing another song. Um... fruit's coming. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, self-control. The prophetic's going to increase. Healing's going to increase. Salvation's going to increase. Deliverance is going to increase. I think we'll do the key of E. Just so you guys know. So I'll let them in on that secret. Okay, so jump back up there. The fruit's coming. And I just want you, in whatever way you can, if you want to come up here, you can. If you want to have a moment in your chair, it's totally fine. But... Make room in your life for fruit. When the season's hard, when things get ripped away, when change comes and we don't really see the end, keep singing. Keep your heart connected to Jesus. Say yes. Get up. Even when you just got smacked, get back up. Say yes. Your Lord, I'm not. You tell me where to go. 
If it's my neighbor, I'll go. My answer is yes. If it's the nations, I'll go. My answer is yes. You're the, you're the boss. You're my Lord. It's not just a cliche. You saved me. And you're the Lord of my life. Here I am.